0: Again, one must surrender their lives to Jesus and experience a fundamental change of heart. And this morning, we're going to fast forward one week. We're going to fast forward and we're going to look at the disciple Thomas. Many of us know Thomas not by his given name, but as we've watched this video, we know him by the name that is associated with Thomas, Doubting Thomas. Now, a person's nickname is usually synonymous with what they have accomplished in life or maybe a failure within their lives. And as we look at Thomas this morning, we're going to look at a moment in his life where he experienced a fundamental failure, where his unbelief caused him to doubt um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of John. We're going to be looking at chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. And next week, just so you know, we'll get back to our Matthew study. But I wanted us to just kind of do a continuation this morning from last week's message. That's when we find ourselves this morning in the book of John. But John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, we read this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Thomas answered him My Lord and my God and Jesus said to him Have you believed because you have seen him, seen me blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed you know all of us in this room have had bad weeks haven't we We've all had those weeks where we wish we could have a do-over or we've had those weeks where we look back and and we're like, man, why in the world did I do that or say that? We have have said things that we didn't mean. We have done things that we regret. We have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, all of us have had moments like that. We've had those moments where, is it the Southwest Airlines Want to Get Away commercial? Is that their tagline? Um, I believe it is Want to get away You know I'll never forget Several years um, Before I I left my last church Um, I was There was a family that showed up And I was um, Out in the The foyer area And they came by And I met them And you know we began to talk, and I, they said they were new in the area. I said, well, let me take you on a tour of the church. And so we walked around the church. I took them to the preschool wing, the children's wing, the newly renovated youth wing. We walked in the auditorium, just had a great time of fellowship. They had a couple of kids. And, and at the end of that um, tour, we were kind of out in the foyer area and, and just talking. I turned to that lady, and I said, so when are you expecting your baby?" yeah, oh, is right. She looked at me and she said, I'm not pregnant. Um, luckily, she was real small and skinny, and so I didn't feel quite as bad. But I, that was one of those moments for me when I just wanted to get away because I said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Well, Thomas, now I really believe that he had one of those weeks. Even though there are only 11 verses of In the gospel that mentioned Thomas, we can uh, gain a great insight into this man. And I want us to see this morning that there is more to Thomas than doubt. And before his moment of weakness, we see a man that was loyal to the Lord, he loved the Lord, and we also see a man that was a brave man. As we have walked through our Matthew study together, we have seen time after time where Jesus has gone toe-to-toe with the religious leaders, haven't we? Man, there's, there, there's been just encounter after encounter. And what the religious leaders are trying to do is they're trying to, to find a weakness, Um, trying to to find some sinfulness in Jesus. And ultimately what they want to do is they want to arrest Jesus, and they they ultimately want to put him to death, don't they? The religious leaders, they did not like Jesus, and so they try to do everything they can to, to, to find cause to arrest him. Well, there came a time when Jesus began to tell his disciples that his death was imminent that they had to go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem he was going to die, and three days later he would come back to life. And all of the disciples were like, no, Jesus, we can't go to Jerusalem because we know what awaits you in Jerusalem. But it's Thomas who speaks up. Thomas says these words in John eleven six. 6. He says, so we read, So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas right here was willing to die with Jesus on the battlefield, wasn't he? Also notice that Thomas was not some shy or quiet or reserved man. He was a man that was very much outspoken. During the Passover meal with the disciples, Jesus spoke of going away to prepare a place for his disciples. And subsequently, each one of us in this room. And Thomas speaks up and he said to Jesus, he said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus speaks these famous words that that seems like almost every week I speak. But he says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. You know, Thomas did have a moment of weakness, a moment of unbelief, but Thomas would go on to be a great champion for the church, a great champion for the Lord, and tradition says that Thomas died a martyr's death in India. Thomas will have a crisis of faith, event in his life. But Thomas certainly is not the only person to experience such a crisis. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life? Some of you in this room, before you became a Christ follower, you were very much a skeptic. You were the type person like Thomas where you were like, I will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ unless I can place my finger into his nail scars, hands and his feet and into his side. You wanted proof and you demanded to an extent some type Some of you in this room, you may very well have experienced that kind of a, 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 you may have been that kind of a skeptic before you became a Christ follower. Thomas had vowed to die with Jesus. But when it was time to die, Thomas was nowhere to be found. You know, I believe it's possible that Thomas um, was within the shadow of the crowd that day. He may have been in the crowd. He may have been hiding around a corner. But I believe that Thomas did witness the events that took place on that day. I believe that he was there when Jesus was tried. I believe that he was There, whenever um, Jesus was found guilty and beaten and flogged, I believe that he was there whenever he was crucified upon that cross. I believe he witnessed Jesus' hands nailed and his feet nailed, and I believe that he saw Jesus hanging on that cross and spoke those seven last words from the cross, and I believe that he also saw Jesus breathe his last breath of air. And he watched that Roman soldier as he dug that, that sword and penetrated that sword into his side. You know, I believe that he witnessed the events of that day. And as we think about Thomas and all that went on in his life, I want us to begin right here with our first point is this. Notice Thomas' absence. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, um, so just kind of look a little bit of in, in front of our focal passage this morning. We read these words. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You know, because of Thomas' absence, we know that he missed a significant encounter with the Lord, didn't he? And I want us to just kind of focus just for a moment. One writer indicates that Thomas missed out on six different blessings because he was absent from this room with the other disciples. He missed out on the presence of the Lord. He missed seeing the resurrected Jesus. He missed seeing Jesus in the flesh standing in the midst of them. He missed out on the presence of the Lord. He also missed out on the power of the Lord. You notice what the scripture said? That Jesus just appeared in that room. The doors were locked, but Jesus just appeared in that room in his resurrected body. He missed the power of the Lord. He also missed out on the peace of the Lord. Jesus said peace be with you. You can be certain that there was much unrest within the hearts of every single one of those disciples that were in that room. The disciples had abandoned Jesus. One had denied Jesus. Only one remained at the foot of the cross when Jesus hung on that cross. All the other ones had abandoned Jesus. Now after hearing of the resurrection, there must have been much anxiety within them. And I'm sure that even those within that room were overridden with guilt and fear when they first looked upon the Lord Jesus Christ when he appeared. But what does Jesus do? He comforts them, doesn't he? He says, peace be with you. And Thomas missed out on that. Thomas also missed the praises of the Lord. He missed being able to worship the resurrected Jesus. We read in this passage of Scripture that then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. This word glad um, comes from the Greek word kairo, and it means to rejoice. What happened in that room was a worship service bursted out because these men had seen the resurrected Jesus, and they began to rejoice and praise the Lord right there in that room, and Thomas missed out. Out on that, he also missed the promotions of the Lord. Jesus said to them again, "Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you." Jesus gives his disciples a commissioning right there in that room where he tells them to go. He's telling them here, basically, it's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's commissioning them. He's giving them the authority to go in his name and preach the good news of salvation. And Thomas missed out on that. Thomas also missed the provisions of the Lord. He missed out on receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. He missed out on receiving the authority from Jesus to do the work of Jesus. It will still come, but it was temporarily delayed. It will still come, but he missed out because of his absence. Let me ask you a question this morning. How much have you missed out on because of your absence? How much have I missed out on because of my absence? How much have we missed out on because we have not spent time reading God's Word? How much have we missed out on um, when it comes to God's blessings because we have failed to pray and spend time? time with the Lord in prayer? How much have we missed out on because we have failed to sit under the teaching of God's Word? How much have we missed out on because we have failed to come to church and to fellowship with other believers? Then how much have we missed out on because we have failed to go and preach the good news of salvation amongst those that we come in contact with? How much have we missed out on because of our Absence. Because of our absence, we often miss out on God's provisions, just as Thomas did. Notice also, notice Thomas's disbelief. In John 20, 24. Through twenty-five, we read these words. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, when we read this passage, some of us in this room are left shaking our head, aren't we? We we want to know how in the world could Thomas have missed out on, on all of the signs that he had given to the the disciples. He had told them over and over again that he was going to die and three days later he was going to rise to life again. Thomas had most likely. Been there the day that Jesus called Lazarus out of that tomb. Thomas most likely was there whenever Jesus told Jairus' daughter to rise to life again. Thomas was probably there whenever Jesus said to that widow's son to rise to life again. Seeing the dead rise to life was nothing new for Thomas. It was nothing new for those disciples. Uh, and, and, And if Jesus, who rose the dead to life again... Don't you think that he can conquer death himself? Don't you think that Thomas and the rest of those disciples should have, have, have understood what Jesus was talking about? Here's one I want us to see this morning. Thomas is not the only one that did not believe. Following the testimony of the women that went to the tomb, we read these words in the book of Luke. In Luke 24:11, we read, "...but the words seemed to them an idle tale." And they did not believe them. This is talking of the other disciples. The other disciples did not believe in the resurrected Jesus either. It would only come after they saw the resurrected Jesus that they too believed. So oftentimes we like to throw stones at Thomas, don't we? We like to um, call him doubting Thomas for his doubt. But Thomas is not the only one that doubted. All of the disciples had a hard time understanding what happened on that day. and um, with his his resurrection as, as well as His death. Tom, um, Stephen Cole wrote these words. He said, none of the disciples understood Jesus' repeated disclosures that he was going to be killed in Jerusalem and rise again the third day. They pictured a conquering and reigning Messiah, not a suffering and dying one. So when Jesus died, they did not understand what was going on. Sometimes our doubt is fueled by a lack of understanding, isn't it? And that's what happened with Thomas. So notice next. Notice Jesus' appearance. Eight days later in verse 26, we read, Eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Can you imagine the emotions that must have been going through Thomas. Before Jesus ever appeared in that room, those other disciples were probably still worshiping Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and probably were even still longing to see the resurrected Jesus again. But not Thomas. Thomas was probably off in the corner sulking, still in, in, and you know, wallowing in his disbelief. But Jesus shows up in that room, and immediately I can just sense Thomas. Fear because he denied, because he didn't believe. There must have been much emotions that he experienced that day, and Jesus was aware of every single emotion that was going through Thomas. And what did Jesus do? Jesus says, and I believe that this time he was really speaking to Thomas. He says, peace be with you. Those were words of comfort for Thomas. And then Jesus went on to say, put your fingers here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side do not disbelieve but believe why did jesus speak those specific words why didn't he speak he could have spoken any number of statements to thomas but right here he tells thomas to put his hands in uh, his finger into his hands and into his side why did he speak those words cuz those were the very words that thomas had spoken in 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 in, in, in secret right had shared those words with the other disciples. He thought that he had just shared those with the disciples. But that was not the case. Here's what we can learn from this encounter. There is nothing that you and I do that Jesus is not aware of. Think about that. There is nothing that you and I do that Jesus is not aware of. There is no sin that you commit that Jesus is not aware of. There is no business transaction that we commit that Jesus is not aware of. There is no joke that we tell that Jesus is not aware of. There is no text message that is sent that Jesus is not aware of. There is no website that you visit that Jesus is not aware of. There is no conversation with someone of the opposite sex that Jesus is not aware of. There is no um, compromising situation that you get into with another someone of the opposite sex that Jesus is not aware of. There is nothing that you and I do in secret that Jesus is not aware of. Nothing escapes Jesus. Let me also say, there is no prayer that you pray that Jesus is not aware of. There is no act of kindness that you do that Jesus is not aware of. There is no reading from God's word that you do that Jesus is not aware of. There is no proclamation of the gospel that Jesus is not aware of. Nothing escapes Jesus. Jesus knows all, sees all, and is aware of all. His presence is everywhere. In, in Matthew chapter 10, Verses 26 through 30, we read these words. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body. But cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sowed for a penny? Are not one of them? and, And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. That is good news this morning. There is nothing that escapes our Lord. You and I can't grasp that. I know in my finite mind, I cannot grasp the fact that Jesus knows when a sparrow falls from the sky. This is even more amazing. There are 7.5 billion people that live on this planet, are just under 7.5 billion people. And right here in God's Word, we are told that Jesus knows how many hair follicles every single one of them have you think about some of you in this room have a full head of hair. Some of you are like me, and you're a little follically challenged. And so we lose probably dozens of hairs every single day. And yet our God knows everyone that falls from our head. He knows everyone that falls from everybody's head. Now, when we think about that, we may ask ourselves, why does it matter that God knows all of these things? It matters because he loves you, because he loves us, and he loves everyone outside of the doors of this church. And if he knows how many hairs we have, then you can be certain that he knows so much more about us as well. He loves us. He is concerned about us. And he is also concerned about every single person's salvation within this room and everybody's salvation outside of this room as well. God loves us. And he makes that abundantly clear in his word. Jesus told Thomas, he says, Do not disbelieve, but believe. You may be here this morning, and you too are battling doubt and disbelief. And just as Jesus spoke these words to Thomas some 2,000 years ago, he speaks them to every single one of us in this room this morning. Do not disbelieve, but believe. You may ask, how can I believe in someone that I have never seen before? You may even say, well, Thomas had a great advantage Thomas actually got to place his fingers into Jesus' nail-scarred wounds. Oh, if only I could do that, I would believe. Yeah, Thomas did get to do that. But, but understand that even though Thomas got to do that, we're going to be told in just a moment in our passage of Scripture that Jesus calls Everyone that did not see the resurrected Jesus face-to-face blessed. So notice this. Thomas is told by Jesus, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas, upon seeing the resurrected Jesus and hearing those words, makes this declaration. He said, my Lord and my God. Thomas spoke One of the greatest confessions of all in the Bible. My Lord and my God. No longer is Thomas drowning in his unbelief. Thomas is a believer. In an instant, he went from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas. That is the power of regeneration. That is what Jesus does. He takes a person that is drowning in doubt and unbelief, and when they respond to him in faith, he gives them a new life. Last week, I asked the question that every believer must settle in their soul. I asked, do you just have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, or have you been transformed by the resurrected Jesus? We talked about how, most of the people that were in that room last week, I really believed, believes the Bible to be true. Okay? We didn't go into a long, um, you know, kind of evidence demands a verdict kind of sermon. We just focused on the resurrected Jesus. Because I do believe, as of last week as well as this morning, that, that most of us in this room do clearly believe in the virgin birth. We clearly believe that Jesus lived a sinless life and that he died on the cross for our sins. And three days later, he rose to life again. I believe that all of us in this room really believe those truths. You believe those truths. But here's the question. Some of you in this room may still have a barrier built around your life. A wall that is built around your life, one of those walls that 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 is unpenetrable, even Jesus is not going to penetrate that wall because you have not allowed Jesus to come into your heart and to transform you from the inside out. You can have head knowledge in who Jesus is, but until your life has been transformed by the resurrected Jesus, you are going to continue on the collision course with hell okay. Those people outside of the doors of this church can have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but until their lives have been transformed by Jesus, they too are on a collision course with hell. People have to come to Christ in faith. Thomas made the declaration, my Lord and my God. It is the highest of all declarations one can give to Jesus. And that declaration must be made in order to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as well as the gift of eternal life. Paul in Romans 10.9 says, But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Jesus indeed is Lord and God. Have you acknowledged with your lips that Jesus is Lord and God? Have you allowed Jesus to come into your life and to transform you from the inside out? If you have not, why not? Our final point this morning is this. Notice Jesus' pronouncement. The words we're about to read are words of encouragement for every believer in this room. A few moments ago, I acknowledged that some of you in this room, or maybe someone that you have shared with in the past, have said to you, I will not believe unless I have physical proof of the resurrected Jesus. Maybe even have wanted to go so far as to say, I'm not going to believe unless I can see his nail-scarred hands and nail-scarred feet and that nail scar in his side." Notice again the words spoken to Thomas by Jesus. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have not seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What we are given right here is a hidden beatitude by Jesus. He pronounces blessing upon all who enter into a saving relationship with him, not based upon physical sight, but based upon faith. You know, none of us in this room had the privilege, as Thomas did, and the rest of the disciples to see the resurrected Jesus. We weren't able to place our fingers into his nail-scarred hands, feet, and side. We didn't have the, the privilege as did paul declare that there were some 500 ple- people that witnessed the resurrected jesus we didn't have that kind of damascus road experience as paul did when he saw the resurrected jesus standing right in front of him we didn't have those kind of conversion experience but jesus says to us that have trusted in him by faith that we are blessed Blessed are each of you that have trusted in Jesus and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, not because you have seen, but because you have not seen and believed. Yes, all of us would love to see the resurrected Jesus. All of us would have loved to have seen the resurrected Jesus at the moment of our salvation. But here's what I want you to know right now. One day we will, won't we? One day we're going to have the privilege of seeing the resurrected Jesus Christ. But until that time, let me invite you this morning to come to Jesus in faith. Do not disbelieve, but believe and experience the greatest gift that you could ever receive, and that is eternal life. And when we receive eternal life, when we turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and call out to him to be our Lord and our God, our Lord and our Savior. If you are here this morning and you have not declared Jesus to be Lord and God of your life, why haven't you? Let me ask this other question for all of us in this room that are believers. Who do we know outside the doors of this church that do not know Jesus? Let's be obedient to the Great Commission and go and share with them the good news of salvation. Now, you may be here this morning and you are, 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 are really struggling. Do I have just a head knowledge of who Jesus is or has my life been transformed by Jesus? If your life has never been transformed by Jesus, in just a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front. I would love to share with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning. The Lord's leading you to become a part of this church. We'd love for you to come be a part of Friendship Baptist Church. You may be here this morning, and you may need to just remain seated where you're at. You may need to come to this altar and kneel on bended knee um, because you have already made the pronouncement that Jesus is Lord. And you have already received the commissioning by Jesus to go. But you haven't been obedient to go. I know that's an area that I must do a better job in. To go and share the good news of salvation. All of us probably can do a better job of that as well. So you may need to just pray this morning that the Lord will reveal to you who you need to share with. Let's stand together. And we're going to pray. And once again, if there's a decision that you need to make, I invite you to come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for Thomas. Father, we know that Thomas did have a a momentary lapse in judgment. But we also know this, that he made one of the greatest declarations that we read in all of scripture whenever he said my lord and my god at a, at that moment his dis- disbelief became belief and he placed his faith and trust in you and he would go on and become a great champion of yours by proclaiming the good news of salvation amongst those that he came in contact with and he even died as tradition tells us a martyr's death Father, we know that he was your instrument and that he was your tool that you used to impact this world. Every single one of us in this room, Father, we've all had lapses of judgment. We've all made mistakes in our lives. Father, we all at one point in our own lives were unbelievers. But we made the declaration that you are Lord and that you are God. But there may be some here this morning that have yet to do that. And if so, Lord, I pray that you'll just draw them unto yourself today. Father, I pray that you'll just speak to them and draw them unto yourself. And Lord, I'm here to help in any way that I can, Father, as, as, as your tool and as your instrument to share with anyone in this room that needs help understanding if they are indeed your child. Father, there may be some in this room this morning, Lord, that have been visiting this church a while and you're leading them to become a part of this church. If that's the case, Lord, we welcome them. Father, move now during our time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to bow our heads. The instrument's going to play just for a few moments. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you come. If you need to come and join this church, you come. If you need to come and just kneel at this altar, you come. You come now. You come.